You are listening to an Elam Church Christchurch podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christchurch, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Good morning, everybody. So, yeah, it's a real privilege to uh, be able to, to come and share this word with you all this morning. And uh, for you who are joining us online, uh, we definitely can't forget about you guys. You guys are awesome. Hey, so this morning, uh, the, the message I have for you is, uh, I've titled it, Fear. And then on the way here this morning, as I was walking down, some cars were going down the road and they were part of the, uh, the parade or the um, people who are rebelling against the the man, you know, who are going down for the, um, the, the marches and stuff. And I seen on the back of one of the cars, it had freedom over fear. And I thought, well, yeah, actually, that, that, that's a lot better because, you know, it's, we, we look for the victory. We don't look at the issue. Uh, but sometimes in order for the victory to seem like victory, we need to first examine the issue as well to look at the bad news in order for the good news to be good news. So um, as we look into this, uh, and I was doing this message up, I remembered of a, um, an instance in my own life when I was about 15. And uh, I was in a foster home at the time, and they had arranged for me um, and to, do a, to be involved in a, a holiday program with the city council. And uh, they took us away to this um, place. It's like if any of you are familiar with the White Boys Brigade camp. Um, well, it's similar to that. Uh, it's not the White Boys Brigade <laughs> um, camp, but it's, it's very similar. And there they've got this uh, rock climbing wall. And it's not an artificial wall. It's an actual cliff that's there. And it's about 30 feet or 10 metres uh, so for a young lad like myself at 15, it was, uh, it, was, it was huge. And I don't know if you guys can sort of remember, look back at your school years when you're, you're a young one in primary days and your schools are massive and you go back to them in your adult years and find that they're really quite small. So it's quite interesting that. But uh, anyway, uh, the day came, the, the fearful day came where we had to, uh, had to abseil this wall. So the instructors... Uh, took us into the hall, and they sat us down, and they um, and they instructed <laughs> us on abseiling. First, they did this by uh, by sharing their um, credentials, so to speak. So reassuring us that they knew what they were doing, that they were experts at doing this, that they had years of experience and whatnot, and they were all dressed up in all their rock climbing gears and stuff like that. Um, but not only that, they also uh, brought out all the equipment and showed us how to use it, the harnesses, the helmets, the ropes, all the carabiners and uh, bits and pieces, showed us how they all worked, and they also reassured us that it could hold well in excess of our weight. So we could trust in them, we could trust in the equipment, and everything was going to be okay if we just listened to them. So anyway, so we all led outside, and we're standing there, and the kids were up there, we all had our turn, they were all coming down the down the cliff, and some were just like doing real well. Some were struggling, and I was standing down the bottom waiting for my turn, and I was looking up thinking, oh, yeah, I got this. This is a piece of cake, you know. looks easy. So I went up there full of confidence, got 
tied in and stuff, went to go down, and I looked down, and I was like, hey, this looks a bit different. <laughs> it looks a lot higher from up here. And, uh, and then as soon as I started thinking that, uh, my mindset changed from being confident to being unsure. And in fact, I started to forget about all the instructors that told me. I forget about, I, I, I forgot about it so much that I became uh, uncertain in their capabilities of what they were doing. I didn't trust the ropes or anything like that. I thought to myself, well, this rope, will it, will it get cut by the rock? Well, this guy down the bottom who's belaying me, can he actually handle my weight if I was to fall? And as this fear began to sink in, it caused me to cling to the actual rock face and paralysis actually set in. I was like, I couldn't move. I couldn't move. They were trying to say, hey, just do this and just, just move your hand there, just move your foot there. Nah, wasn't happening. I was stuck. Imagine I'm like a koala. <laughs> and I was stuck to this wall. Uh, in the end, an instructor had to come down and actually grab me, and I was stuck to him. <laughs> as, he, as he took me down this wall. So, um, yeah, there was, the very can do this to us. You know, we can, we can be relatively confident and all the rest of it, and then all of a sudden, pow, out of the blue, something happens, and it takes all your confidence, everything away. Completely overwhelms our ability to think and reason. For instance, how many of you, um, or for instance, how many people reacted differently when we had the earthquakes 11 years ago. We had some people who ran and took off outside. We had some people who went and hid, and they hid under, under chairs and desks and doorways and stuff like that. And we had some people who just ran around in circles like chickens, completely overwhelmed in their mind with what was going on and just didn't know what to do. So it's incredible how fear can overwhelm us like that. And I'm sure that many of you can, uh, can understand w what I'm talking about today, this morning. You know, whether you've been through it yourself or whether you've known someone who goes through it. Yet in the Bible, interestingly enough, we're told to fear not. 365 times we're told not to fear. But we as Christians deal with this daily. Yet 365 times we're, not, we're told not to. What does this mean? Does this mean that we're not listening to God? Or does this mean that God's been unreasonable? It's an interesting thought. However, when I was pondering this, I was thinking about myself as a parent. God being a parent and all. The best way I can try to explain this is to consider yourselves as parents. I know for myself, I've had times where I've had to tell my boys not to fear. But that wasn't an instruction, but instead it was a, I was reassuring them that they were safe with me, that it was okay and everything was going to be fine if they distrust me. The same is with God. 365 times we're told not to fear. It isn't a command, as I've heard some say, but instead he is reassuring us that it is okay, that he is with us. And if we just trust in him, everything is going to be just fine. You know, he's our father. He loves us. And a scripture that I feel that just best re reflects this, this, this character of God, his, his love for us, his reassurance, and this is in Isaiah 41.10. It says, fear not, 
for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God, and I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will hold you with my righteous right hand. You know, isn't that reassuring? Isn't that reassuring? So you just remember the abseiling instructors and how they reassured us. They knew what they were doing, and we could trust them. But when fear came in, it all went out the water, went out the window, it went out the water. <laughs> Get it together. You know? <laughs> anyway. Now, there's a few different types of fear. Many of us have to deal with it at least once, um, at least one of these things daily. So some of us, uh, it might be a, a practical type of fear. Uh, you know, like, for instance, if you're standing on the edge of a cliff and a gust of wind comes and, uh, and uh, it causes your, your heart rate to jump, a sudden um, dose of adrenaline dropped into your body and then you step back and your heart's racing like, whoa, you know. So people deal with that in building sites and stuff and, and what have you daily, you know, people who drive really fast in their cars and stuff. And talking about driving fast in cars, there's another type of fear. And that's the anxiety we men get when our wives are driving. That causes us to stomp on that imaginary brake pedal. <laughs> but all jokes aside, all jokes aside, fear can be incredibly debilitating for some of us. And as Christians, it's important that we understand what it means for us to put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ which is what Jesus means by fear not. Let's have a look at 1 John 4.18. And this is the, the scripture that I've based this message off. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment, but he who, have, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. When we read John's letter, we notice the appearance of two brand new words that come into John's vocabulary here, fear and torment. And this is written to believers. The context of this short but significant verse is John is telling us about the boldness we can have in our salvation because of God's perfect love. And we can experience that through relationship with him. But if we don't have relationship with him, we're filled with uncertainty and fear of what is to come in the future, tomorrow or distant. And that is the torment that has to do with judgment. Believe it or not, it is actually possible for Christians to live in fear and torment. And as an example, you know, I myself have had to deal with this constantly, constantly. Unfortunately, I've yeah, had to deal with this many times in my journey of salvation. I've had times where, although I believe in God, and I believe I know him, and I even serve him, I still find myself struggling at times with a sense of uncertainty for my salvation and even a fear of judgment. This never came because I had sinned as a Christian, but because my relationship with God had grown distant. So there's a key word here that says, you know, that I, was, I believed I even served him. So I was doing things, but my relationship had dropped off. 
I just want you guys just to consider that as, as, we, as we move on. Many pr- professed believers experience both fear and torment day after day. And the reason is because they haven't yet truly experienced or understood the love of God. So let's look at that verse again back in uh, John um, 4, 18, 1 John 4, 18. And just, let's, let's just reflect on this word, but perfect love casts out fear. That's huge. But what does that mean? It's the love of God that gives us boldness. It's the love of God that caused Stephen to give his, his speech in the temple in Acts 7, even though he knew perfectly well what would happen to him. And of course, for those of you who are unfamiliar, he was stoned to death. The word boldness can mean confidence or freedom of speech. It does not mean brazenness or brashness. A believer who experiences perfecting love grows in his confidence towards God. He has a reverential fear of God, not a tormenting fear. He is a son who respects his father, not a prisoner who cringes before a judge. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 9.10 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The author here is not referring to the fear of the Lord in the context of the fear as mentioned in 1 John 4.18, but rather in the context of a reverence through gratitude as mentioned above. Someone who fears the Lord is a son who respects his father not a prisoner who cringes before a judge. So in fact, it's because of that perfect love as mentioned in 1 John 4.18 that we can actually fear God. It's important for us not to mistakenly substitute relationship for work. So now this is where we're coming back to where I've got you guys just to hold on to that thought there for a moment. This is where we come back to, it's important that we don't substitute relationship for works. We can do good works out of our relationship with God, but not the other way around. As Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's not keep my commandments and that will show, you, show me that you love me. No, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. You see, we can tend to get ourselves tied up with works and being busy for the Lord. And I don't mean, think, don't mean thinking that we are saved by the works, but instead trying to impress God with our works and neglecting our relationship with our Father. Believe it or not, this is actually an easy trap to fall into. And I've fallen into it many times. God is, in, in, God is interested in our hearts. And that means he wants our attention. God desires for us to spend time with him. He wants you to know him as father and as your friend, not simply a transcendent God, not a God that's just sitting up there apart, but Emmanuel, God with us. I just want to encourage you all this morning to pick up your Bibles, dust them off, read them. Put your faith and your trust in God alone. We need to do this daily with prayer. Now, don't get me wrong, okay? I'm not trying to put any burden upon anybody here. But we do this. That picking up our Bibles and reading them daily 
comes from a sense of gratitude. It comes from our hearts. You know, as it says, you know, if you confess that the if you keep, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, if your mouth if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God rose him from the grave, raised him from the grave, you shall be saved. It's a heart. It's not psychological belief or understanding, it's a heart. And that's the same with how we follow God and why we read his word and why we pray through gratitude, through love. It's not through works. It doesn't make us a better Christian because we can read five chapters a night. So I just want to encourage you this morning, like I said, pick up your Bibles, dust them off, read them, put your faith and your trust in God alone. We need to do this daily with prayer. You don't need to read the whole book of the Bible in one go. Take your time, savour it like a fine wine. Get to know your father, ask him questions because he is not a silent God. This is what God requires of us, first and foremost. Then through that comes good works, not the other way around. So I just want to sort of start finishing off this message with this. We do not need to fear the present because perfect love casts out fear. As we grow in love, in the love of God, we cease to be fearful of what we will do, of what he will do, sorry. Yeah, as we grow in the love of God, we cease to be fearful of what he will do. We have that certainty. Of course, there is a proper fear of God, but it is not the kind of fear that produces torment. For you not have received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we call Abba, Father. Through relationship, we can have certainty in our sonship and daughtership with God that produces freedom and a sense of gratitude. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God intends for us to live in love that produces boldness and clarity. We can boldly come to God with anything and have clarity of mind and certainty that reminds us of who we are in Christ. Remember, Jesus took upon himself our iniquities and credited to to us his righteousness. So who are we in Christ? Righteous. That's right. We are righteous. We've been made righteous in Christ. God wants his children to live in an atmosphere of love and confidence, not fear and torment. We need not fear life or death, for we are being perfected in God's love. And this is just where I just find the scriptures just fits in beautifully. In Romans 8, 35, 37 and 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else, any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is ours, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
Now that's awesome. That's good news. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can't even separate ourselves. So imagine nothing in all creation, present or future, can come between us and God's love. The perfecting of God's love in our lives is usually a matter of several stages. When we were lost, we lived in fear and knew nothing of God's love. After we trusted Christ, we found a perplexing perplexing mixture of both fear and love in our hearts. But as we grew in fellowship with the Father, gradually the fear vanished and our hearts were controlled by his love alone. A Christian who is not in relationship with God is tossed between fear and love. And I, I can testify to that. But a mature Christian rests in God's love. A growing confidence is the presence a growing confidence is the presence of God is yeah. Uh, a growing confidence in the presence of God is one of the first evidences that our love for God is maturing. But confidence never stands alone. It always leads to moral results. It leads to change. Not in, not in our own abilities, but through what God does in our lives. So just let me encourage you this morning to examine yourselves as we are called to in Corinthians. Are you resting in God's love this morning? I'm speaking to your conscience. Please examine yourselves. Is there anything? Or is there something that is causing you to fear? It could be work. It could be a sense of legacy. Am I doing enough for my family? Am I keeping on top of the finances? It could be a relationship, family, friends, perhaps someone within this church. Or it could be your relationship with God. Is there fear in your heart? Is there anxiety? Brothers and sisters, I don't have any great profound solution for you this morning. And as John and and, and Peter said, silver and gold I have not, but what I do have to you I give to you freely. In the name of Jesus, read your Bibles. Pick them up, stand up, read them. It's where the truth is. That's where our hope is. It's where our promises are. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Read our Bibles. We're without excuse. We've got so many resources, so many different types of Bibles. One to fit anybody. Come on. Come on, I just want to encourage you. I'm not saying you're not. But I just want to encourage you. Just check your heart. Okay. How can you say... How can we say, any of us, that we don't understand God if our Bibles are closed? Put your faith and your trust in him alone. Get on your knees and make all your requests known to him. Make a commitment today. I just want to encourage you, make a commitment today. Start with at least 10 minutes a day. 
Start to do this by find somebody within you that you know. Perhaps you may want to join a small group and find somebody who can hold you accountable, a friend who can do this with you, and start small. Then see what God will do for you. In James 4.8, James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And you can take that to the bank. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.